Welcome to The Pillars, the podcast of the 363rd ISR Wing of the United States Air Force. I'm Chaplain Jim Bridgem. And I'm Dr. Jerry Walker. On each episode of The Pillars, we find a brief resilience topic so you can practically fix any potential roadblocks you encounter and finish a better wingman, airman, and leader. So let's dive in. What's today's topic? Well, today we're going to talk about how to respond in a crisis situation. And this is specifically geared towards uh, supervisors uh, or those in a supervisory role, but it can really apply to pretty much anybody who's working with another airman, uh, whether that person is senior to you or subordinate to you. Uh, We all need to be prepared to recognize where those uh, quote-unquote crisis situations. So this actually came out of a panel that uh, Mm -hmm. you and I did a few days ago for the uh, Target 5 Six and uh, they're they're asking because there've been a number of, of situations where um, the NCOs had found themselves in a situation where they weren't quite sure how to respond to, to some of their airmen who are having some of these personal crises. And so we talked about different uh, ways, not just to respond, but also how to recognize that these crisis situations were developing. So I figured this would be a good topic to, to discuss for oh, the wing. Absolutely, and also it's important to remember that what one person's crisis it might not be that important to another. But mm-hmm. if a person in front of us, whether they're a friend or someone you're supervising, is having what they perceive as a crisis, you have to treat it like that. That's a great point. Um, a good way to think about crises, and I know we're using that term right now and haven't even defined Find it, it yet. Exactly. Um, but think of it along a developmental spectrum. So when you're a little kid and um, you know, you're know you being punished for, for something you did and mm-hmm. your toy gets taken away or you're thrown in timeout or you're given a spanking, that can be a crisis event. Mm-hmm. It's rocked your world. It's shocked you to the core. And, and a lot of times in that young age, we don't know how to respond. Um, so sometimes we'll get defensive, we're angry or sad and start crying inconsolably. Um, but that could be construed as a crisis event. And then as we get older, newer crisis develop, crises develop that will similarly strain our capabilities to cope and to respond adaptively. So you know, think about your first breakup when you're you know, a teenager or a young adult. Um, then as we you know, go further on out to probably where, where most of our listeners are, to the, the you know, young to mid uh, adult range, now we're, we're thinking about um, the major life situations, you know, the financial issues, um, the, the relationship and, and marital issues that crop up that um, are life changing, not just for you, but for the people who, whom you love and care about, um, the occupational struggles that, that we often encounter. And sometimes these will uh, all coalesce to form one um, major significant, significant crisis. It's not necessarily one or two on their own. Well, and the story I shared that day, and and I love to talk about, I feel like I'm pretty good with dealing with stress for the most part. But I remember I was deployed in Afghanistan working as an intelligence professional. This is the story of your own personal crisis. This is my own personal crisis. (laughs) And I want people to see that something minor can turn really big in my world at that point. And this was super minor. In fact, I'm still made fun of because of the story for today. So listener, don't tell anyone about the story. (laughs) It's pretty embarrassing. So I show up to work having, after having pretty much worked for 36 hours straight Mm -hmm. with a couple not offs, but pretty much going straight, had a big tasker came down. In addition, some of the people I'd supervised had had some near misses really just miss getting severely injured Mm -hmm. and shocked us all. There were a few other environmental concerns, but I was under a lot of stress. I was really tired. And everybody's tense. Everybody's yeah. under scrutiny and, and feeling the pressure. So I walk in my area, the intel area, and I say, I just need to get coffee. So I walk to the coffee area, and the coffee is there, the actual coffee grounds, but there's no coffee pot. 
So I look around and say, hey, where's the coffee pot? And they say, well, the commander removed it from the building. You see, someone spilt it, and no one wanted to take responsibility, so he removed it from the building. And I sit there. Now, mind you, I dealt with some serious stress at this point for months. And honestly, I've been calm throughout. And so people would look at me and say, oh, that's the person who deals with crisis well. Well, I'm thinking, and I notice my hands are shaking now at this point. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm, I look around and say, I just want the coffee. Just just give me some coffee. And they look, look, we'll get you an energy drink. We just can't bring the coffee pot back. So I walk to the deputy commander and say, <laughs> who's who's British, and say, sir, I just respectfully request that, that you bring the coffee pot back. He looks at me and he goes, well, well the commander, who's, by the way, sitting right next to him, oh, boat, okay. like, like like an inch from him, says he, he made a decision. We have to keep him. I'm like, well, I'm going to appeal to him. So I talk to him. He's like, look, Jim, we'll go get your Keurig, but I just can't bring the pot back. Somebody, no kidding, spilled coffee in the ground. And I'm like shaking, man. Now, mind you, in comparison to some of the other things I dealt with, mm-hmm. this was totally mundane. And I understand it. But what I did as I walked to my desk, I realized that I, my body, my physiology was getting upset. I was getting angry. And I called my boss. Tell you're you're oh, getting wound up even oh, just talking about well, it. And I'm thinking about it. And, and, I, and again, I'm just sitting there like all I want is coffee. Like I didn't mm-hmm. complain about being there for so long. But I call my boss who is a, is a leader, has a, some terminal degrees in, in, uh, in my last career. He comes downstairs, and he is not a high-empathy person. Mm-hmm. But he comes downstairs, PhD type, and he goes, hey, Jim, how are you? And SES type. And I look at him, and I start bawling outside, mm. like crying. And I'm just like, they took my coffee. And he's, <laughs> and he just sat there. He didn't say, look, you need to suck it up and deal with it. He just, at that point, mm-hmm. gave me a hug, helped me through it. And I went back, and I was able to fully function. I never had that again. Now, I did get made fun of for quite a while for this. Sure. I had the uh, ADAPT. Um, things dropped on my desk which is normally an alcohol program and would write coffee on it i'm still made fun of say hey can i someone wrote me an email today from that event saying hey can i buy you a pot of coffee sometime but the point of it is that minor event not Mm -hmm. having coffee turned into a crisis event at that point and how somebody responded to me allowed me to return and function fully i just needed at that point a place Mm -hmm. to vent and and just get a hug and and what i really like about that story is that it it was the straw that Broke the camel's Correct. back. I mean, that's what you're focused on in that moment. But that wasn't necessarily what had fueled that crisis from the Correct. get-go. There are so many other things that were going on. That all it took was that um, you know relatively minor inconvenience that on a normal day may not have been that big a deal as all at all. But um, to to get you to your breaking point. Yeah, I mean, we've had single moms come in our office who had a. a a tire. They popped a tire on the way to work, and that was it. Like mm-hmm. it was just a total crisis event. Sure, Their, you know, spouses deployed or in Korea. This kind of thing. Like it's a minor thing. So when a person's in front of you, it's how you respond. When they're in front of you with an event, and it might be a boyfriend breakup, they're airman first class, first time with a breakup. When they respond, bring that crisis to you, you need to respond with empathy. Even if inside of you you say, "Oh man, I'm going to make fun of them in a month for this," mm. that may be appropriate. But at that moment, what you need to do is really just allow them to vent and validate how they're working. So my my two mm-hmm. points is ventilate, allow them to vent, and then validate. Say hey, what you're going through is totally appropriate for you. Yeah, I, I think that's absolutely spot on because you know, even in our profession, a lot of people come into us, um, they don't really want us to solve their problems. Correct. They, they just need to talk it out and to have uh, somebody else feel like they're, they're heard and understood. And so if you're that supervisor, you've got a, a, a person coming to you saying, um, I'm freaking out, I'm you know, about to go off the deep end, I, I don't know what to do anymore, um, try to find a, a place where you can sit down with them, give them your undivided 
needed attention and allow them to vent out those frustrations. And here's the best part about it. You don't necessarily have to solve their problems. Correct. Um, but you should know um, where to direct them in order to, to, to get them to, to folks who may be able to, to help them solve their problems if that's, in fact, what they want. And not everybody's looking for a referral. Um, but as, as long as you're knowing what uh, you're able to communicate what those helping agencies are, um, or the different resources available to that person, you can get them to folks who may be able to, to assist them with those problems. But a lot of times, uh, what folks just need is for somebody to under feel like they're uh, understanding what they're talking about, how they're feeling, and uh, communicating it back to them in a way that that validates those emotions. Yeah, they want to the, be, the, be heard. Yeah. yeah. Is one of the the worst things to have when you uh, happen when you bare your soul to somebody is to hear them say, "Well, you know, happens to everybody. You got to yeah. buck up, you know, or just tough it out, um, or you know, even worse, just dismiss their their issues altogether." Correct. And I think sometimes that happens when we're trying to relate with people and try to to align with them really by sharing something similar that may have happened in our own lives. Um, but what that actually does is it, it it serves almost like a distraction from the issue at hand. Yes. If that person's coming to you with uh, a significant issue or an issue that's significant to them. And by making it about you, you're actually dismissing that person's concern. And so I, I'd say, you know, what, what we're talking about is, you know, just listening with an open ear, uh, allow them to ventilate and then validate that concern. And some of the things I brought up, too, is there are some great questions you can ask. And Mm -hmm. by the way, this doesn't just work with friends and colleagues and people you supervise, but at home, in relationships, outside of work, whether it's a a spouse, boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever. One of the questions I offer is, what's on your mind? Just ask them, what's on your mind? These open-ended questions. Mm -hmm. One question um, I've seen is, and what else? When someone tells you something, don't just respond with an answer. Say, and what else? Mm -hmm. And just listen. Right, because it, it may be the coffee pot right now, but there's there's other things. It that wasn't are going the coffee on. pot, yeah. Right. At that point, you know. Right. So, it's so in that situation, asking, um, yeah, Jim, I understand. You know, the coffee pot, it's 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 not there, I and mean, I know that's a really big stress for you right now. And what else? If that question had been asked, I mean, I'm sure you could have gone into a number of different things that were probably more poignant at that uh, time or, and probably helped to better explain the reaction that you'd had. Correct. In fact, the next question I, I pulled. And it said, what's the real challenge here for you? Mm. And because the real challenge there in that case wasn't the coffee pot, just like many times the presenting issue is like the tip of an iceberg. And like an iceberg, what is it? 70% I believe is underwater. 30% is exposed. Don't quote me on that because I don't remember. But the majority (laughs) is underwater. 90-10. 90-10, same principle. Math is funny. Whatever (laughs) it is, the idea is the majority of it is underwater. And Mm -hmm. most of the folks that you're dealing with, they're just giving you that presenting issue. Mm -hmm. And they're still hurting. But if you show that you can listen to that, they will go deeper with you. And all this is to say that you don't always need to go and find the helping professional right away. Mm -hmm. You as a supervisor, as a friend, as a wingman, as a spouse, as a friend, as anything, you have the ability to really impact people's lives just by listening Mm -hmm. to them. And I think a big part of it happens even before the crisis comes up for the airmen because – um, as a supervisor and as a leader, we should all try to, to uh, develop an atmosphere of trust with our folks and to, to make them feel comfortable coming to us when these issues do arise. Um, because that can be part of the, the challenge when uh, folks are coming to you in crisis. You know, if they're in the situation where they don't feel like they can trust you, maybe the issue that they bring forward is the one that's more socially acceptable. Like, I'm just not having... Uh, you know, good sleep lately. I'm having difficulty getting some good rest. And, you know, that's why I've been stressed out lately. Whereas maybe the real issue is 
things are not okay at home, or um, you know they're really struggling with um, you know uh, balancing their work and home life. They've got PT tests coming up, and they're worried about uh, not being able to pass it. Maybe these are things that they're not comfortable talking about. So these questions are very important, um, but it all has to come from a foundation of that trust and, and comfort. So that's something that we can start building on right now to demonstrate that compassion to our folks that when you know they do have these significant issues, they can come to us and we'll be able to ask those questions without feeling like they're probing. So if we had to wrap this up, let's mm-hmm. say, so we're talking to a brand new supervisor and they want to help an airman that's come to them with a problem. And it's not a big problem. It's not something that really needs that second level assist from maybe mm-hmm. us. What steps would they take? I would say the first one is to um, demonstrate empathy. And mm-hmm. you do that um, both in how you speak to the person, but also in, in what you do with them. So um, I try to, or I would encourage uh, folks to find a separate place, maybe where there's a little bit more privacy, um, demonstrate commitment to that person that you're Mm -hmm. going to give them your undivided attention and just allow them to talk. And um, without trying to delve too deeply into solving the problem, ask them the questions like you're talking about, you know, what else, what's your biggest challenge? Um, What can I do to to help you out with this? What do you need from me right now? You know, how can I support you Um, in these different ways? And, uh, you know, that person may tell you exactly what they need, um, but you're allowing them to to be heard and to validate what they're saying. Um, the next step I would say is to to be ready with those different helping resources for the person. So here in the 363rd ISR wing, we have our wonderful Airman Resilience Team mm-hmm. composed of the two of us, as well as a chaplain assistant, Sergeant Jenkins, and uh, coming on board a mental health technician, Tech Sergeant Ackerberg. And uh, we are the uh, wing Airman Resilience Team. Mm-hmm. We serve everybody throughout the wing. Um, we are your in-house consultants for you know all things of a uh, medical, a uh, mental health, social relationship, spiritual basis. Mm-hmm. Um, so please do not hesitate to contact us or encourage your folks to get in contact with us. More than happy to to uh, talk through folks and see if there's any kind of services we can provide. Mm-hmm. But you've also got um, you know your first sergeant, the different helping agencies at your um, host airbase wing. So of course the mental health clinic, the um, Airmen and Family Readiness Center, the chaplaincy there. Yep. Um, you've got the Military and Family Life Counselor, the MFLEC. Um, there's Military One Source, which is a 1-800 phone number you can call and get connected to um, a counselor, uh, you know, different degrees for telephonic counseling. Um, there's all kinds of different um, things available to you mm-hmm. on base. And so I encourage you to look up those things and, and see what services they provide. Try to connect your Airmen when they're having difficulties. Um And then finally, uh, don't put the impetus on yourself to solve that person's problem, but take responsibility for their well-being. And what I mean by that is your job doesn't end after you finish talking with the person that day. If you're connecting them uh, with different resources like I just discussed, try to follow up with that person later on and ask them if they took advantage of those or if those resources were of help to that person And, and just that very act of checking in on them communicates that you still do care about what's going on in their lives and, and are available to assist them even further. Yeah, that's awesome. And I know Mass Sergeant Booker, who we interviewed a couple times here, mm-hmm. he he's suggested you even walk with them to the helping agency if possible. Absolutely. And that communicates a real strong message. In fact, some of the five, six members we spoke with had mentioned that in their example, said, well, I brought them here. Well, the thing mm-hmm. is, just do as much help as you can as a supervisor. Do your best. Try to put these principles in action, and I think you'll see a marked difference. 
Absolutely. So thank you for listening to The Pillars, the podcast of the 363rd ISR Wing of the United States Air Force. I'm Chaplain Jim Bridgem. And I'm Dr. Jerry Walker. Until next time, if you need us, just reach out to us in the global address list. And we just want to finally thank you for what you do for our nation.